right. Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast here on No Filter Network. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, here with my co-host, Pat Gallagher. Excited for today's guests in Scott Malaga, Owen Scholl, and Jake Stone, all from Independent Sports and Entertainment. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about partners and also players um, representing on both sides. And Scott and Owen have gotten into the uh, property representation side of things as of late, uh, some exciting projects that they've been working on. Um, you know, really creating some unique partnerships. And, and then Jake, on, on his end, from business perspective and player representation, um, Pat, you know, I, I think it's interesting, you know, thinking about some of the conversations we've had on the podcast in the past, you know, we were taught, we had an episode where you were talking about the naming rights to what is now Oracle Park, but that was, you know, back then, Pat that, Bell. And that was like, well, it was like four names ago. I mean, when we did the Original deal. <laughs> you know, no, yeah, let's talk about deal. We had no idea that the name that it was going to wind up changing four times. I mean, it, it was. I, I think our lawyer. It wasn't quite in the fine print, but it actually we worked it all out. And um, it's. Uh, but that's what you guys are facing now. Is as you know, as the world changes, as companies buy other companies. Um, we did a naming rights deal in San Francisco with a, a telecommunications company with Pacific Bell, who doesn't really exist anymore. It's, it, so anyway, that's that's the world that we live in, and we've all got to figure out a way to be flexible. You guys are now, you know, it looks like we're starting to come out of this pandemic. Um, what's on your mind? I mean, how are you advising clients as we're coming out of the pandemic? What special stuff are you thinking about? Well, specifically on the property side or more on the player side? Where should we start? We'll start on the properties. Well, I think on the property side, both Owen, uh, myself, and Jake feel very lucky that we had success in 2020. Obviously, it was a challenging year, but, you know, we got lucky and uh, we worked really hard and we had some ups and downs and some challenges during the pandemic. But I think when you have the right opportunity and you operate things the right way, uh, you know, as we do, knowing specifically the college market and how to work with athletic departments and rights holders and the entire community, uh, the, the campus community, I think that that really helps and it benefits us. And, you know, through a lot of hard work and uh, connecting with those people, we were able to put together uh, three deals in 2020. Uh, we also represented uh, Holiday Hoops Giving, which was a basketball event uh, on ESPN in December, and uh, we're successful there. Um, the, the pandemic definitely impacted things a little bit with with that, with no fans at State Farm Arena, but we felt we were still successful in selling sponsorships. And I, I think overall, you know, brands want to spend still. I think everybody's anticipating that we're going to come out of this pandemic. Um, I, I think some industries have been hit harder than others. Uh, quite frankly, and, and some uh, some industries have quite frankly benefited from the pandemic, um, but we just have to go out and find those brands that are willing to spend. But I really think that there's a lot of excitement for what's coming up and as fans come back into the stadiums and the ability to, to, to spend money and to gain exposure through sports. I, I think so, what yeah. I would what I would just add to that really quickly is I think we're fortunate in what we sell. And that what we're selling is sort of premium sales opportunities, particularly on the naming rights side of our business, that are long-term 
and large investments. And during a pandemic, we had a number of conversations with brands, some of which ended up doing deals, where they realized, hey, this is going to be an 11, 12, 13, or more year deal. We understand that the first year and maybe the second year is going to have some impact from the pandemic, and we're going to need to build in contingencies for, for that. But over the long haul, they wanted to be associated with those institutions in a really meaningful way, and they could see sort of through it because it was so long. It wasn't like we were selling a, a I don't know, a, a one-year deal or a two-year deal, and they thought, well, gosh, is this whole thing going to be going to be crushed by the pandemic? They could see a lot further than that, and I think that really helped us. The other thing it's done is I think that the serious players in the market um, are rising to the top, and those that really are kicking the tires and having substantive dialogue with us about an opportunity are genuine about it. It's kind of like I said earlier today with another call. It's kind of like the housing market. People that are in a real estate market, at least where I live in Atlanta, tell me there are less buyers that those that are that are out looking are more serious. They're not just trying to look around. And so when we get to a brand about an opportunity for naming rights or an entitlement, typically by the time we talk to them, because they they will have already shoot us off if because the pandemic has just been no way we can't have that conversation. By the time we get to them. They seem to be pretty genuine and pretty interesting. And I think those things really helped us along the way. And a lot of our businesses in college, uh, not all of it, but a lot of it is. And, and there's a few there's few industries that are hurting more than college uh, colleges as, as it relates to financials. And so they really need a ways to generate additional revenue. Oh, and you've got three different properties in three very different areas. I mean, you're talking about UC Davis, West Virginia yeah. and Washington State. I mean, like those are three about. I don't know. You put it in a triangle like they're they're as different as they can be from each other. Yet you're sitting in neither of those locations and neither is Scott. So how do you go about putting yourself in the shoes of this property, this location, the community? Because, again, <clears throat> these long term partnerships are about the community, too. Right. And so how do you make sure that you understand that to the best of your ability? That's a really good point. I think one of the things we do on the front end is we really work with the university on strategy. What all is going to be involved in these naming rights searches? Are there going to be, obviously, traditional athletic multimedia rights will be in there. Is there an opportunity for campus marketing assets and or campus business to be included in some of these deals? Because brands that align with the university at this level for this long of a term really want to align with the entire university. And there's a lot of complexities there. Thank goodness we've got a lot, you know, a lot of years. Scott and I, the bulk of our, both of our careers has been in college because it can be a frustrating road to try to get all of these entities on campus, which may not always be aligned on something like this. So that's number one, uh, Jake. We first go and we try to figure that out. What, what is that alignment? Um, and then from a, from a volume and prospecting standpoint, we're kind of like college recruiters. We start local and go out. So we'll look at any market like, you know, in, in Washington, obviously, Washington State. We started in the state of Washington, specifically in Seattle, even though the campus is in Pullman. Seattle's a corporate hub of the state. And we sort of started there and went after all the companies that we thought were a good fit after doing that strategy with the university. And then we broadened from there. Uh, in that particular case, Jake on our team was really helpful because he's from Seattle uh, and he did some, some heavy lifting in that market. But yes, we go into markets where we're not, we're not involved at all. Morgantown, West Virginia is not anywhere near us. Um, but we try to figure out what is important to that university, what academic mission of the university is important, if it's agriculture or if it's veterinary sciences or whatever. And we try to figure out brands that would align there, and then we go from there. Well, you know, you talk about uh, those locations, too. And prior to the pandemic, uh, Pullman, Washington is not an easy place to get to. But Owen and I flew out there. 
flown to, flew into Spokane, drove to Pullman, and then we took a trip all the way from Pullman all the way to Seattle. And that was it's a beautiful state, enjoyed, had a lot of uh, talk time during that drive, and then had a couple of meetings in Seattle. But uh, we, we like to do things face-to-face and getting out there and meeting people and, and seeing what the university has to offer. But then the pandemic hit, and it was really challenging. I mean, we were also um, selling the naming rights to Cal's football stadium and, and had some success, and then the pandemic hit. And a couple of brands, you know, obviously backed away, and then the Pac-12 had some issues with, you know, fans and playing games. So that definitely impacted things, and we had to learn how to do it the Zoom way. And uh, it's not as easy. We gave a full presentation to a brand for uh, Cal's football field all via Zoom. Um, I think we did very well, but it was challenging. Uh, but ultimately, we'd like to get back to the face-to-face model. I will throw out one thing, one thing that we have found, and I totally agree with Scott, that it's certainly more challenging this way, and that's not the way we want to go about our business. But one thing that we have found, we have been able to have more substantive dialogue with high-level executives at brands because of Zoom. It's hard to get on their calendar if we're going to come to their market and we've got to meet on this day and can, or whatever, a couple day period when we're going to be there, whatever it may be. I found with Zoom, they're more likely to give us 30 minutes. I mean, the one example that I use that we've used recently is at Washington State. Our second pitch to Giza Credit Union, where it ended up being you know, the, the partner, we had on there our team, Jake, Scott, and I, but we also had the head football coach, the president of the university, the president and CEO of Giza and his whole leadership team. There is no way we would have gotten all of those people together back in the pre-pandemic world, all physically face-to-face. So as much as there's overall, it's been certainly negative. I'm not saying it's, um, I'm happy the way it's played out, but there has, if I did look at a positive, I do think we're able to get more executives on a call. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I mean, you know, Pat, I think back to when you were probably doing that deal, uh, Zoom wasn't around, but like, what challenges did you face then that Scott and Owen are facing right now that are still the same? You know, the ones that are the same, I think, are, are getting to know, getting to know these companies, getting to know the brands. I mean, when you, when you pull off the, the shield of the brand, what's behind it? What are the, you know, what are their objectives? What are the things that they want to get out of it? And ha- actually helping them drill down to figure out what those things are. And the same thing with the, with the university. You know, what, what are their, you know, you, you really have to spend some time to, to look under the hood to find out who the cast of characters are, what their objectives are. Are there any third rails that you ought to stay away from with this particular school? I mean, it's, and, and now things are even more and more complicated. And Jake, you know, you now we have, you know, we have athletes, uh, college athletes now, as the rules are changing, are going to have, you know, the ability to, um, you know, to sort of to be compensated. And a lot of people don't understand that, but you guys have to understand whatever the stuff is. How, how do you, how do you deal with that, Jake? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, you know, for one, just on the naming rights piece, um, you know, those types of deals have evolved so much um, for what they used to be to what they are now. Um, I think gone are the days where companies, you know, slapped their name on a building for 20 years and called it, you know, marketing. Uh, the partnerships are so much more integrated now. Um, and I think uh, it's really a positive for the business to really find organic growth um, and really find areas where companies can uh, really, you know, partner with uh, all these different teams and leagues and venues. Um, so that's a big pro for our industry. Um, on the athlete side, 
uh, completely different, uh, a little bit outside of the naming rights world, right? The deals are, are not 20 year type deals. Um, I think what we saw the most during the pandemic um, was a focus and an emphasis on content creation and content distribution for athletes uh, owned properties. So, you know, obviously without the physical appearances, uh, the physical signings, um, we really had to uh, create intimate experiences um, through digital platforms. So there was a focus on uh, obviously social, uh, on augmented reality, virtual experiences, streaming, um, really, again, based on content creation. And we're going to see that evolve not only now after the pandemic, but um, in years to come. Uh, I think athletes and influencers uh, are finally realizing the power of the platform that they have growing an audience and being able to interact, communicate and ultimately monetize that audience. Um, we're really seeing that uh, come to fruition. And that is something that we work with all of our clients uh, day in and day out to make sure uh, we place a lot of emphasis on those platforms for them. You know, Scott, Owen, Jake, I want to bring up a, an interesting point where, you know, you're talking about either representing an athlete that has a very distinct personality platform to your point. You're talking about representing a university, a building, a stadium, whatever the case might be, where it has a lot of influence in an area. There's only so many brands that fit that object, right? Whether it be the, whether it be the athlete, the property, et cetera, where do you start? I mean, do you, do you look at top five brands you look at top 10 you're clearly not casting your net out to you know a hundred brands and and going hey who wants the this piece of the pie right like there's got to be a right fit and do you take the top five and just really pursue them until you figure out you know who's who's the one of the five that's going to work well i think each instance is completely i was just going to say each instance instance is completely different so we haven't yet combined a, a naming rights deal or one of our properties deals with an athlete. I think that's coming. Um, so that's, um, that broad-based outreach is a little different than what we're doing. But even in our space, the property space, it's completely different from a university naming rights deal to an event like the Louisiana kickoff or the holiday hoops giving. Those are media-driven events and the brand base is nationwide quite quite frankly because of the media and uh and, and the game being on television the games espn abc what what have you um but there is some localness to it but i think it's more broad based so it, it, in the naming rights piece it's really regional and statewide i think we've seen over the past and i think that's going to continue so from a university perspective specifically, or if it's a pro venue, a university specifically, we first looked at what the school is really good at from an academic standpoint, an outreach standpoint. And then like in the state, the, the situation with Washington State, 90% of their alumni in Seattle. So that's why there was a focus there. If you look at UC Davis, it's an incredible academic institution and it's a, a large student body. So what are the benefits there? I mean, they're, you know, fantastic in the wine industry. So we looked at the wine industry and, you know, I, that hasn't been done from a naming rights perspective. But then, um, so like in any given day, uh, the way Owen and I operate is if we have multiple naming rights deals we're working on, one person will be a point for that property, but we both work equally 100% on everything. So in one day, 
we might be broad-based national for holiday hoops giving and then turn around and be more you know focused and local with a naming rights deal so it really depends on the property so now you're you're you know are there any instances going on right now where you're you know you've sold a you've sold a, a deal maybe a number of years ago and you're in the middle of it all of a sudden now you know if you're a if you're a lawyer and you call what happened with the pandemic a black black swan event um and it's a not, nobody nobody could figure this out in any deal you know sort of the force majeure language doesn't really contact it take take us through any any examples you have of a client who's in the middle of this trying to figure out how to recoup value you know on both sides on the brand side and then maybe on the school side for this period of time how you you can't you couldn't have have contemplated what's happened how do you approach that you want to take that one on yeah sure well I, I don't think we have any specifically where we've had to do that in the past what we're seeing is moving forward and that language and the change that, that they're contemplating obviously now uh, how that will look almost all of our deals now are building in significant contingencies um, because we still don't know. We, I mean, it's kind of funny now looking back on it. This time a year ago, exactly, we were having those conversations with Cal, uh, football field naming rights with a brand that was mostly committed, that was really interested. And one of their executive leadership folks was really concerned that the that the football season would be affected. The last football season would be affected. And Scott and I were like, every time she'd send us an article that would say football is going to be greatly affected with crowd size and, and delays and, and start of season, we would send her an article and said, no, it's not, essentially. I mean, it was it was amicable, but sure enough, she was right. It was tremendously affected, and she didn't really know that either, and neither did we. So I think moving forward is where we're seeing a lot more of that language, um, and our legal folks have helped us navigate those waters as well. And we're fine. Most of the properties, or all of the properties we represent, know that we have to put that in there. I mean, we started this hoops giving event, uh, which was five games at State Farm Arena with high level elite college basketball teams all on ESPN. That's what we were selling. What we ended up getting was one of the teams couldn't come. So we had to backfill them. We, we swap out an LSU for a Wofford. Uh, the games don't all air on ESPN. Some air on ESPNU. Some air on streaming because they're going up against college football because it got delayed. And there was zero fans in the in the building. So we had to very much pivot with those clients and really sell them the media part of what we're selling them. Again, Scott and I are a little bit sheltered from some of what you're talking about, Pat, on the make good side, where our partner like Learfield IMG is dealing with that every day, all day. But we're selling such large deals that are so long term that we can build in a contingency to get through any kind of short term bump in the road. Okay, so yeah, we I'm saw that director or a university president and you're pitching what? What would you, what's your elevator pitch for ISC on what makes you different than everybody else who's you know trying to do this? So do you mean what, to to a, an athletic director? You said Pat, or a university president? Because a lot of times this is a big deal. They'll you know you have the athletic director, but you'll have you know university president. You could have board members. You know what is it when they're looking for somebody to do this? What is it about ISC that makes you? different, better, whatever, what's your advantage? Well, I mean, I, I think one of the things you know, we, we put in our, our sales decks is, is trust, integrity, experience, and hard work. Um, Owen and I have over 50 years of experience in the space, mostly in the collegiate space, knowing I mean, we can speak directly to how difficult it is 
and how different it is to work with a university across campus with the athletic department, with the athletic director, and we're going to do it with integrity. We want the university to be as happy with the deal as the brand is with the deal. So I think that benefits us the most. It's it's all about relationships, and and we have some great relationships. But you know, in those situations where we don't have, I think that's what we try to sell is is we understand the space. We we're going to include everybody. Communication is big to us. I mean, we say that on the first call is we want to communicate with everybody. We're going to over communicate. And you're going to have to tell us to stop communicating. And we want to, everybody to know that the entire university is going to benefit, not just one entity. Jake, from your side and and the players' perspective, and you know, representing athletes, um, same question from Pat. You know, what what makes you guys different from all of the rest? And it's not that there's, you know, I mean, there there are a lot out there, but everyone kind of has their niche, right? And they kind of focus on, you know, specific sports, specific kind of athletes, you know, depending on location, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a very interesting space. Um, and the type of relationships that we build with athletes uh, in some of our clients, um, they're, they're very close. Uh, we start uh, establishing that relationship right as they get out of college into the league. Um, and we are, we're a family to our clients and our job is to support them in everything they do on the field, on the court, um, off the court, off the field, um, and really work with them as partners, um, and guide them through a successful career and post career on what are their interests, what are their passions, um, what are they looking to accomplish? And what we try to do is add value in every aspect of their entire career. Um, so, you know, from an ISE perspective, um, you know, we aren't competing to be the biggest agency out there. That's not our business. Uh, we want to create relationships, um, foster relationships and really work with clients, um, that are part of our family that we can add a ton of value to. Um, and you know, that are good, good people at the end of the day, right? We work with people, um, that are very positive in this environment, uh, positive in this, in this space. Um, and all of the, the folks at ISC, including our agents, um, we were all on the same page in regards to what our representation looks like here at ISC. I got a, I got a fun one to throw at you. Uh, Scott, I know, you know, you and Owen, you mentioned, you know, 50 plus years and uh, I'll put Pat's up against that too. I mean, there, there's a lot of years of experience uh, on this podcast right now. And there's obviously a lot that people have dealt with over this last year, whether it be changing jobs, losing jobs, um, changing how they work, right, remotely versus, um, you know, in an office like we kind of discussed. As you're looking at, oh, let's just call it the second half of 2021 and into 2022, how do you see your part of the industry, right, the agency side, the property side, how do you see that part of the agency or industry changing um, in a variety of ways? Well, quite frankly, I think there's a lot of ways that it's changing. One of them, uh, and, and this is anecdotal, but I think it's going to be a positive for us. As you mentioned, um, a number of people lost their jobs, unfortunately. So even on the pro side, they've, they've cut staff and they might look to an agency to do some of that work. So we might benefit from that scenario. I think in the naming rights piece, specifically in college, Athletic departments are really hurting financially. It, it took a big hit on them. So 
they're going to have to be more creative and loosen up the strings on some of these venues to put a corporate name on it instead of putting Joe Smith's name on it. And maybe that Joe Smith family isn't didn't pay any money for it. Maybe it was a coach or something. I think they're looking uh, long and hard at where can we recoup some of that many, uh, that that revenue um, and and put a name, a corporate name on a venue. So um, I think we're in a good spot. It, it definitely it, it definitely uh, was a challenge this past year, and we had to overcome some hurdles. But I like the positioning that we're in, and you know, quite frankly, I think that the challenge more is. We have a lot of competitors out there. And so that's going to be the challenge because there's a lot of people trying to do the same thing. Yeah, one comment I would make to sort of underscore what, what Scott just said, I thought it was a pretty interesting conversation we had with an athletic director of a Power 5 school probably six months ago. We were talking about the naming rights opportunity at his basketball facility. And he made a comment to us. It was a little bit shocking to me, at least, and, and, and resonated later when I thought about it. Was His comment was, you're going to probably get a million, a million and a half dollars a year for us on the naming rights to this facility. Our overall budget's over a hundred million dollars. That's really not that much money to us, which that didn't sound good, right? To get us started. But then he said, but the optics that we're out there trying to do something innovative and creative to raise money as opposed to just raising tuition and just raising ticket prices matters. He said, sure, the money will take the, we'll take the money. But this idea that we're going to be innovative and creative on how we try to go about our business moving forward is really important too. And that really resonated with me to hear a power five AD say that is, is, is important. And I think it kind of shows what they're, what they're looking at moving forward. Well, I think everybody's been humbled by what's happened. I mean, you know, so y'all, I mean, everybody in the industry, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a university athletic director, a president, or a brand person, you're, you know, anybody who was sort of cocky going into this has sort of had their 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 pins cut out from under them, which in some ways is a good thing. And, uh, you know, but I think having an open and honest dialogue and have that, like the, like the, oh, and the thing you just described with your um, university athletic director, I think that's, um, I think that's really great. And it's a good sign for things to come. I hope, as a side note, more on a personal level, I kind of hope that one of the things it does is it resets the marketplace from a price standpoint, not from a corporate sponsorship. I'm talking about from a ticket ticket price standpoint. You know, to take a family of four to a major college sport or college or pro sporting event had gotten pre-pandemic to almost being unaffordable for for a whole heck of a lot of people, and they could do that because the market was telling them that they could do that. I am looking at the market and talking to others who were concerned that. This pandemic may have shown people that I don't need to go to all these games. I can watch them on TV. Let's try to reset the marketplace and make it more reasonable. I mean, I know it's not going to cut it in half or something like that, but this idea that you can pay or charge $250 for a neutral site college football game, you know, $1,000 for a family of four to go to a college football game before they paid for parking or anything else is not terribly reasonable. I hope that that resets that part of it and you can really start getting more and more. You can introduce the product to a lot broader fan base. And it, it, a bit of a segue from that, uh, this has nothing to do with corporate sponsorship, but just an observation I've had over this past year. We're all sports fans on this uh, on this call, and I've realized that how valuable the fan is. Watching these games, it's almost like a scrimmage. You're just watching two teams play, and you can't hear the fan, especially in college. 
you can't hear the band play and see the cheerleaders and see the fans and and you've taken away the film crew from going into the stands and finding that great shot of the fan that's been or the little kid that's a Ohio State fan and he will be for life. It's just been gone. And and I I I it's it it's really shown me how valuable I don't think we realized that when we were just watching sports, how valuable just hearing the fan behind the scenes, how important that is. Well, whatever team you're 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 with, I mean, that really becomes as a fan becomes part of your identity. I mean, uh, is is you're identifying with everything that has to do with that school. And in many cases, you're not only cheering for it, but in some cases you're defending it to anybody, you know, to your friends, family, others. So you're right. It's they they have a lot of emotional uh, investment in these uh, in these properties. That's why thinking it through the way you are is really important. Absolutely. Jake, yeah, I'm just, have, yeah, yeah on, go ahead. Your, well, no, I was going to say on your end, I mean, you think about the content creation aspect that you mentioned and, and how that's changing your side of the industry. But from the brand's perspective, there's got to be an educational component there as well, right? On how, like, how do I get ROI on, on this now? Or, or how is that different from what I was doing before? I mean, what are you seeing there? Yeah, for one, uh, both in properties and in on the, you know, the athlete, the endorsement side, brands are getting smarter, right? Um, and ROI is becoming a much more uh, important focus of, you know, where they, they put money and where they're getting a return. Um, and being able to measure that intangible uh, results, whether that's impressions or sales or um, eyeballs or viewership, um, it's important for us to make sure uh, we work with brands to create programs across the board um, that provide strong ROI back for them. Um, you know, we're not in the business of, of one-off deals, especially on the athlete side. We really want to create long-term partnerships between brands and athletes um, that provide a ton of value for both parties. Um, so the biggest thing that we could do, especially on that side, uh, and one thing the pandemic especially kind of brought forward um, is innovation. Right. And, you know, we've had a number of drafts that have been digital environments, right, that have been streaming. Um, we haven't been able to, to be, um, you know, on site making appearances. So a lot of the same things we talked about in regards to how can we create value in this space, um, we were able to put to use um, over the past year. Uh, you know, we held Call of Duty tournaments with a, a number of our baseball clients um, and where they were able to stream. We were able to bring brands into that experience. Uh, we had, you know, NFL draft. We had live draft moments with uh, some of our, our draftees uh, bringing brands into their homes and, and streaming from there. Um, so it's really important for us to keep our eye on, you know, innovation, what's coming down and how can that uh, innovation help our athletes and really create, you know, better brand experiences um, for both parties. Well, the, the advantage that you, you guys have is that, you know, in dealing with one individual uh, brand or a or a property, a school, is that you've seen sort of what the best practices are, what's out there. I mean, who's who's had the good ideas? Who's who's what are things that you stay away from? That's that's the advantage that you have when you're you know when you're pitching uh, either um, either a school or a brand is that you, it's not just your sales ability; it's your ability to help them. Uh, deal with the 
you know, sort of the, the, the metrics or to create sort of a dashboard of, of analytics that sort of help them through the decision making. Um, and so, you know, you've hit your, you're really, you're, you're more of a counselor, I guess, or a, I guess you could say you're kind of a shrink in a way you're holding people's hands through this. And uh, there's a lot of responsibility with that. Um, so uh, it's a, um, so if you had to say, if you had to say, here's a, here's kind of a, not a zinger, but if, if you had to say in, in, in like a sentence or two, what, what is ISC? What makes ISC different than everybody else? What would you say? Hmm. Who should take that one? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I, I think I would say, go ahead. Owen. I would say I'd say we're a large we're a large enough agency that has deep resources, but we still have a boutique feel. That's good. Yeah, it, it is a we provide a white glove uh, service to all of our clients, both on the athlete side and on the property side. Um, and that is extremely important for us. Um, every client is extremely important to us. And we want to make sure we have. Uh, the right team in place to service our property clients and our athlete clients uh, to the best of our abilities. And we can never go away from that, right? We can never take on too many clients where we can't offer each of those clients the proper support that each of them deserve. So I think it's very important that we have the resources of a larger organization, uh, but the intimate white glove service of a small boutique firm at the same time. Pack, pack you know, and I, I would say to add to that a, a little bit is that um, you know some of our some of our competitors might they might get the, the the rights to a naming opportunity or something like that and then um, they have such a large staff and allow a you know a young seller or a you know junior person to handle it I mean that's one of the things that Owen and I have gone in and said we we're not handling it off to anybody else it's going to be Owen and I that are gonna be running this, and we can do three, four, five of them at the same time. You're gonna see us a lot, and we have a lot of experience, so don't be afraid that we're going to, we're, we're, we're gonna we're see you on the initial call, and then you're never gonna hear from us again. That's not the way we operate. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's good news or bad news for our clients, but we basically say, listen, <laughs> we're, this, is, this is it. We're gonna be involved, because we do get asked that a lot, though. They'll say, well, if we award this search to you, who would you put on this? You know, who on your team would you put on this? And there's not a single search that we, and now we have other resources inside of ISC that help us with a lot of stuff. But, but as far as point people on each one of our searches, it is one of, one of, one of us. Pat gave you guys a zinger. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a fun rapid fire to, uh, to finish up the episode. Uh, and I'll start with you, Scott. You know, when you think about uh, all the brands that you're trying to prospect or talk to and, you kind of do that deep dive and, and, you know, lift up under the hood, as Pat was mentioning, there's such interesting facts sometimes that you learn about brands. Um, give me one brand and we'll go around the horn. One brand that you've learned just a fascinating fact about that you just didn't know before. Wow. Well, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, is pit boss grills. Um, we have uh, their director of sports marketing, is a friend of ours. Uh, we've known him through the uh, collegiate uh, sports marketing days, and we got to know them. They became the title sponsor of the Holiday Hoops Giving, uh, but realized, you know, how uh, how intricate intricate these pellet grills are. I, I don't have a pellet grill. I'd like to have one, and how fanatic 
the a griller is. I mean, they love to have these things. They have Pit Boss Grills as three brands. One's a Louisiana Grills, and and they're amazing. It's like a it's like a Cadillac of grills. I think they even have another brand on top of that. But um, that was that was unique to find out. You know what uh, that category of I mean, and that's not that's not necessarily a category you go to every day. I mean, I mean grilling is pretty small, but how passionate those people are, and, and you know what goes into I mean, if, if you ever felt like Owen had one of those grills sent to our um, uh, the the Chris Williams who owns the event Holiday Hoops Giving, and it's heavy. <laughs> it's a big shipment. It's uh, it's a heavy piece of machinery, but uh, it's great. Cook some good meat. Owen, you got one? Yeah, this is one I just learned recently that I thought was kind of interesting. So we've done some business over the years at Dollar General, and they told me that the number one distributor or seller of Coca-Cola products in the United States is McDonald's. That probably doesn't surprise any of us. Number two is Dollar General. Wow. There's there's a, a, a weird, yeah, that's a little bar fact for you. It's just, I, I don't, they have 15,000 locations, so I guess it makes sense, but they sell the second most uh Coca-Cola than than anybody in the country, which is kind of surprising to me. That's incredible. You would, you know, you mentioned McDonald's. You would think it's another QSR, like right after. It, you would. Right? You would. Oh. All right, Jake, we're going to you. Don't yeah, mention I'm gonna State cheat. Farm. Don't mention. No, State I can't. Farm. I can't. Yeah. Even though I I am employed there. Um, I you know I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say the the DraftKings BetGM of the world. Um. We have seen such an explosion of sports betting in this country that is going to just continue. And, you know, being here and not quite understanding uh, the market share and the money behind that industry when it was mostly overseas before it really is, you know, come here and, and taken over. Um, just the the magnificent scale of that industry and the amount of users and money there. Um, it's just a crazy, crazy uh you know, uh, come to, you know, whatever moment you want to call it, 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 it really has taken over the industry. And it's pretty cool to be a part of it. That's good timing, Jake, with the New Orleans announcement today. And it, <laughs> just like that, you saw the first, uh, you know, company in that space, uh, yep. you know, coming, coming to naming rights. So hopefully uh, Scott, Owen, and myself will uh, be able to land another one here pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one on the player side, too, right? Like, you know, you see Bryson DeChambeau with DraftKings, but I'm sure there's bound to be plenty of other um, player deals that that come to and, – and maybe some of the smaller ones, too, right, that then kind of surface and try and differentiate themselves uh, in different sports. You know, I think that's the interesting one, too, is a sport. Um, so, Scott, you mentioned, you know, we're all sports – you know, sports people on this on this podcast. What's your favorite sport – not only to watch, but then your favorite sport to play? Well, it would have to be football. Um, I played college football at Cornell University. I was always a football player. I loved the game. Uh, I love watching the game. And every year I think I flip back and forth. Do I like college football better or pro football better? I think I'm, I'm in, the, right now I'm in the pro football rank, but, uh, you know, it, it bounces back and forth. But, uh, I love uh, the game of football, and specifically Cornell football. To be honest with you, it's my favorite. <laughs> go, go Big Red! Right? Is that that's right? I get that right? All right. That's right. My, son, my son's going there to play football, so they're even more of a favorite for me. 
Hey, you know, Jake, you mentioned, or, or I think it was actually you, Scott, that mentioned, hey, like, watch out, you know, Joe Donor. They're going to be coming after you for that name on the building soon over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have enough money. Jake's going to have to increase my salary. Hey, as long as we can broker that for the commission, then, you know, we can, we can talk about it. You know, <laughs> there, There's always a way. There's always a way. Oh, and you got a favorite sport to watch and play? Uh, I mean, to watch, other than my kids playing sports, would be college football. Uh, I'm a big golf fan, too. I like watching golf. I don't play much because I have kids that are at an age where I don't get out and play much, but I like to watch golf as well. As far as playing, uh, I played most ba- – basketball is what I played the most in my life, but now uh, really all I do is run. So I guess running, but uh, college football definitely to watch. I'm married to an Alabama grad, so there is that. <laughs> a lot of red. So we didn't – you didn't have a choice. You had to say that. Then. Right. But, I was already yeah. college football, but then you're married to that. And you're like, you. it is interesting, though, because I went to a small school and didn't have football, Division three football, to see what a school success like that can do for their alumni base. I mean, she is really tied to her school in a way that, that, that I'm sure Ohio State fans and the cream of, the, of the, the, the top are like that, but not a lot of schools. And so I can see very firsthand what that does for alumni base. It's, it's It certainly keeps them all tied together jake we'll finish up with you what do you got yeah you know same thing i'm a i'm a huge university of oregon you know fan uh go ducks so uh basketball football anything uh anything ducks related i've definitely seen a lot of avidity uh towards that so um and then to play i grew up uh doing mixed martial arts so wrestling and boxing and muay thai and jiu-jitsu and that's always been a uh a passion for me um, you know, I, I haven't gotten too much in the UFC lately. I was very big on it when it first kind of came, uh, up and, uh, you know, here, especially in the U S but, um, you know, it's a, it's a great sport. We don't get into many disagreements with Jake, so he, he doesn't kick us in the face. <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of Zoom is we're not, we're not even together anymore. So it's perfect. Okay. <laughs> That's a good point. I was going to say there, there needs, you know, you can, you can do like the raise your hand or the high five on zoom and stuff, but there's gotta be like a, how do you hit someone through the screen kind of thing? Like, you know, they're saying something you're like, no, stop talking, please. Yeah. 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 The kick under the table button. That's the one. Right. Right. There you go. I love it. Yep. Hey, so for anybody who's watching this, uh, this uh, broadcast, how do they, how do they find ISC. What's the, how do they do it? What's the best way to do that? Yeah, you can go on our, our website, uh, iecworldwide.com. I um, mean, and you know, there's a ton of information about all of our different divisions uh, on the talent and property side. Um, and you can also go to our Instagram page, uh, same thing, IEC Worldwide, um, and a ton of content, a ton of information about everything that we're doing, um, all of our clients, all of our athletes, and um, that should give someone a, a really good uh, overview on kind of who we are, uh, what we represent, and uh, the type of people who work here. And if you're a brand listening, I give you, I'll give you my cell phone if you want. <laughs> Always sell it. Pat, Pat has put Andy's cell phone on a billboard before. You got to be really careful with him on here. Uh oh. Nice. <laughs> You know, also this sort of this business is supposed to be fun, right? I mean, we're all you know we're all making stuff happen, but you got to have some fun along the way. And uh, you know, I, you guys all look like guys that um, 
not only work hard, but also have fun. And that's a, that's a great quality to have. I think, yeah, that's I think in this industry, the, the greatest thing about it is we get to talk about something that we love every day. And I, I talk to a lot of students that uh, are trying to get into the business and, or they're trying to change careers. And it's really comes down to, you know, do you love the industry that you're in and fit your strengths to that industry? And so this is definitely an industry uh, the three of us love being in, for sure. Well, Scott, I know I know we mentioned Big Red before, but you are part of the Bobcat cloth, so we got we got to throw that out there. Uh, go Bobcats! But guys, really appreciate uh, your time on you know Life in the Front Office podcast here on No Filter Network, and uh, certainly welcome you on anytime soon. Uh, we're certainly looking forward to keeping keeping tabs on uh, the next deals that you're going to be closing. And um, Jake, Jiu-Jitsu. I, we're, somehow we'll see you in the professional jiu-jitsu world one way or another i have a feeling <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i'm better as a spectator at this point but i appreciate it <laughs> all right all right guys appreciate it thanks so much <laughs>